Let's read the Bible together. This is from 2 Corinthians, chapter 4, verses 6 to 15. For God said, Let light shine out of darkness. Made his light shine, sorry, for God who said, Let light shine out of the darkness. Who made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light and the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that his all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Thanks, James. Good morning, everybody. Uh, many years ago, when I was working in Sydney, uh, it was Melbourne Cup Day, and so all the staff and the company that I was working for, uh, we took a chunk of the day off and uh, went into a raffle and so we could uh, watch the race together. Uh, I worked with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life and backgrounds and countries. So there was another Christian uh, amongst the crowd there, and while we were milling around, chatting before and after the race... I just happened to land in a small group with a, a couple of young guys and uh, the, this Christian guy, the other Christian guy. Uh, there was a moment's silence like there normally is when you initially join a group at these kind of things with people you don't really know. And uh, this Christian guy, uh, he turned to one of the young guys and he said, where are you going when you die? So that was the opening line uh, in our conversation. Uh, the other guy uh, turned and walked off. Uh, and the guy who was asked the question politely fudged an answer. He smiled weakly and looked off at me and then said something he needed to go to the toilet or something. So there we were, two Christians and no friends, uh, which was pretty depressing, particularly when I was keen to chat to these young guys about anything, anything let alone Jesus. Uh, but this other Christian, bless him, uh, he had Christ's mission on his mind. And nothing was going to stop him getting right to it. Which brings us to the topic of today. Christ at the centre of mission. Because I'm sure those of us who know Jesus are pretty much on board with getting the good news about Jesus out there. But maybe it's worth reflecting on why that is and then how we might best go about doing it. Hopefully with a little less cringe than my Christian work colleague. So that's where we're going today. Firstly, to see that Christ's mission is our mission. Uh, Secondly, that it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. And finally, that we do it Christ's way. 
So firstly, Christ's mission is our mission. As we've touched on uh, the last couple of weeks, Christ is literally at the centre of life, the universe and everything. And so, of course, he should be at the centre of our lives as well. And so his mission in this world should be ours as well. After all, he commands it to be. Uh, These are Jesus' final words to his disciples before he scoots off into heaven. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. As the Lord of all, Christ commands his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. That's that's Christ's mission for his disciples. That's Christ's mission for us, to proclaim the gospel, uh, the good news of the Father's grace and mercy in the Son by the Holy Spirit, and to confirm that in baptising people, and to teach them to obey everything Jesus has commanded, from trusting in him for eternal life, to living for him in all of life. That's Christ's mission for us. As Lord of heaven and earth, he commands it. But his love also compels us to it. This is what compelled the Apostle Paul to try and persuade people to believe. Uh, As he says, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. Christ's love is such that he laid down his life for us all so that people might be forgiven and counted dead to their sin and alive to God forever. This incredible love of Christ for us, for for me, for you, it's compelling. Uh, it, It was for Paul. He couldn't shut up about Christ's love for him because it wasn't just good for him. He knew it was good for others and good for God himself, in fact. As we read earlier, uh, where Paul writes, all this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. All this, the gospel and the suffering and the hardship and the difficulty in getting the gospel to you, Paul says, it's worth it because it's for your benefits, for your good, and for the good of many, many others. And not just for their good, but for God's good, as people embrace God's grace in Christ and then overflow with thankfulness to him and glorify God in him. On Christmas Day, many kids wake up to the joy of unpacking stockings full of gifts and goodies, right? But isn't the joy of that moment made complete for everyone when the kids come and thank you, particularly as a parent? And isn't it even more joyful when uh, they happily wax lyrical over how good the gift is and how much they love you? Well, in a way, this is a picture of Christ's mission for us, of making disciples, of making disciples. To, To make disciples is to bring people into the joy of being God's children to enjoy God's grace and to have him enjoy them glorifying him in thanks for what he's done and who he is, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And Christ, he he calls us to be a part of 
this joy of filling up people's stockings with the gift of the gospel. Wonderfully then, at Christ's command and in his love and for the good of people and God himself, Christ's mission is to be our mission. But only by the power of the Holy Spirit, which is the second point. Because maybe you're a bit daunted by Christ's mission. You know you should be getting the gospel out there and making disciples, but you're not sure how. Uh, It seems a bit too much maybe for you. You're you're not sure where to go with it. Maybe you're uh, tired or frustrated or discouraged. Well, the Apostle Paul says there's no reason to lose heart because firstly, in some ways, this is actually to be expected as jars of clay. That's what he calls us, as we read earlier. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Uh, The treasure is the glory of God in the knowledge of Christ. It's the glorious gospel. And God's put this glory, his glory, in us. Us, jars of clay. Now, the jars of clay that Paul's probably thinking of here were, were seen as fragile, unimpressive, expendable. Uh, the point being, as jars of clay, Paul's saying, we're all weak, unimpressive and fragile. No one is going to come to Christ because we look or sound good or impressive. It ain't going to be gimmicks or money or performance that'll win people over to Christ. As Jesus says elsewhere, it's only the Holy Spirit that can do that. More than that, it's only the Holy Spirit that we can talk about Jesus. It's only by him that we can even talk about him. As Paul goes on, it is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we've had the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Uh, the principle that Paul's working here uh, from here is that faith leads to speech, that believing in Jesus leads to speaking about Jesus. But if the spirit of faith here is the Holy Spirit who prompts faith, then it's the Holy Spirit who prompts speaking the gospel too. That means every time we have the urge and we do speak the gospel to someone, to our kids, to our neighbours, to our work colleague, our friend, our family, that's the Holy Spirit at work within us. I don't know about you, but that's pretty encouraging. No matter how feeble and weak our attempts might be, no matter how much we might feel like a jar of clay sometimes, God's put the treasure of the gospel in you, and he's given the Holy Spirit to be with you. And not just with you to believe that gospel, but with you to speak that gospel. A few years ago, I got to drive a Turbo Subaru WRX rally car. That's actually a shot of me uh, at the dirt track. (laughs) Not really. It was thrilling and freaky and thrilling, uh, (laughs) I didn't know whether to cry, enjoy, or terror. Uh, but what stopped me despairing at my uh, lacklustre abilities and performance uh, and, and the possible literal car wreck at the end of it uh, was the professional rally driver who was next to me, guiding me, telling me when to ease off and when to hit the throttle. Uh, because of him, I not only didn't make a complete mess of it, I enjoyed it a whole lot more. Well, in the same way, while driving Christ's mission might be daunting on our own, we can take comfort that in our stumbling efforts to share the gospel, it's actually the Holy Spirit guiding the whole thing from our mouths and into the hearts of others. Christ's mission 
is our mission, but only by the Holy Spirit. Which brings us to uh, the final point, doing Christ's mission his way. Because we still need to do stuff. The Holy Spirit works with us, not without us. And as he kindles a love for Christ and his mission in us, he speaks to us and guides us uh, in the Bible in how to do Christ's mission, firstly in our words, then in our deeds, and finally in our prayers. So firstly in our words. A famous saying often attributed to Francis, uh, St. Francis of Assisi goes, uh, preach the gospel and if necessary use words. Now, apart from the fact that Fran- uh, St. Francis probably didn't say this, uh, you can't just nice someone to believing in Jesus. <laughs> Uh, You have to speak to them of him, as the Apostle Paul writes. Uh, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? People are saved by believing in words preached or spoken about Christ, which is the gospel, of course. The gospel comes to people in words. And so to be a part of Christ's mission is to share the gospel message, particularly if you have uh, the gift of evangelism. Uh, We're told that Christ gave different gifts to different people in the church and, and being an evangelist is one of them. Now, not everyone is an evangelist, but I suspect you might know if you are or if you've got a bit of that gift or others will be able to identify this in you. You probably have a knack of striking up a conversation with someone and easily shifting it to Jesus, or perhaps you have a manner that's winsome and engaging and you're particularly persuasive in the way that you engage with people about Jesus. If that's you, listen to Paul's encouragement to his young mate Timothy, who had the gift. And he says, Keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all your duties the duties of your ministry. If, like Timothy, you've got the gift, the gifts of an evangelist, gifts that have been given to you by Christ, how are you doing at doing the work of an evangelist? Maybe you need to give up whatever else that you're doing or pursuing and think about a future more in evangelism a future of gospel work, maybe even being a missionary and get along to Bible college to hone that gift. Don't squander the gift Jesus gave you for the mission that he calls all of us to to make disciples. Now, of course, not everyone is an evangelist, uh, but we're all to be ready and prepared to talk about Jesus if people ask us, as the Apostle Peter says. But in your hearts... Revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Revering Christ as Lord, it means to speak of your hope in Christ when asked. This isn't an option for us. Christ's mission is our mission by the power of the Spirit, which will look like being prepared with an answer if people ask, why do you believe in Jesus? So, are you prepared? Do you have an answer ready? An answer informed by the Bible? Uh, There's a bunch of great resources and books uh, to help 
be prepared in this, like Two Ways to Live or Just Start Talking, or books like Questioning Evangelism by Randy Newman, or How to Talk to People About Jesus by Sam Chan. A good way, maybe a good quick way to get better prepared is to ask someone in your house to help you practice. Uh, Ask them to ask you, what's the reason for the hope that you have in Jesus? And then have a crack at answering it. Maybe even do it today and see how it goes. Christ's mission is our mission. So by the power of the Spirit, we'll work at being prepared to share the gospel. Uh, Even though St Francis probably didn't say preach the gospel and if necessary use words, we do know he courageously preached the gospel with words. Uh, In the 13th century, as many in the church were stupidly and sinfully mounting the Fifth Crusade to take back back the Holy Land from the Muslims by force, uh, Francis maintained it was God's will to, in fact, convert the Muslims to to Christ. And incredibly, he got an audience with the Sultan uh, at the time, al-Malik al-Kamil, and a great, uh, a large crowd of his advisors and army. And over several days, Francis preached the gospel to them through translators. Eventually he was insulted and threatened and beaten and driven away, but his conviction was such that even though it could have ended his life, Francis did Christ's mission, Christ's way, by being prepared to speak the gospel. Doing Christ's mission, Christ's way, is being prepared to share the gospel, to speak the gospel. As we live the gospel in good deeds... Uh, The Apostle Peter talks of Christians as being strangers in the world. And he says that their strangeness is to be in their goodness. Uh, He says, Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. He then goes on to unpack some of those good deeds, uh, living with utmost respect for people, particularly authorities, uh, bearing up under unjust suffering, sacrificially loving your husband and your wife, being compassionate and humble, not repaying evil with evil, but instead with good. And then he arrives at the passage that we looked at earlier about being prepared to give an answer when people ask why we believe. Maybe it's because Peter expects as we live such good lives People will see it, think it's strange, but in a good way, and they'll be drawn to ask, why is it that you live like that? Why do you believe in Jesus? And maybe start drawing closer to faith in Christ themselves because of it. Uh, The church father, Augustine of Hippo, he was a towering intellect of his day. Indeed, his uh, thinking, his philosophy and theology and uh, music... uh, He's thinking on music and the arts. They're still studied today. He's a very, very smart man. But in his book, Confessions, he talks of how he was drawn to faith in Christ and how at at first it had nothing to do with what he heard of the gospel and everything to do with the man who faithfully preached it, Ambrose, the Bishop of Milan. As he writes of his encounter with Ambrose, I was led to him by you, he's speaking to God here, unaware that through him, in full awareness, I might be led to you. I began to like him, at first indeed not as a a teacher of the truth, for I had absolutely no confidence in your church, but 
as a human being who was kind to me. The great Augustine was first drawn to Christ not by Ambrose's powerful and persuasive words, and he was a powerful preacher, but it, was, it wasn't what he said that drew Augustine in at first. It was what he did. It was his kindness. And Augustine isn't alone in this. Many have known the same thing as they've seen the goodness and the kindness of God's people. Uh, recently, I was able to share the gospel and pray with a friend to receive Christ because he'd been drawn to him by the consistent goodness and kindness of Christians in the space, span of his life. So let's be kind and good. Maybe by getting groceries for the less able in your street during this lockdown period. Or taking their dog for a walk. Or join a Facebook group for your street to offer to help in one way or another. Maybe write a card or a letter to your neighbour or to your non-Christian relatives. Maybe help someone in need who's not necessarily your closest friend. Maybe even care for that neighbour that no one else likes. Who knows? Christ might be drawing the next Augustine to himself through your goodness and kindness. So let's be kind and good, not just for Christ's sake, but for the sake of others being drawn to Christ. Another thing, uh, to be on good uh, Christ's mission, another thing to do is to invite people along to stuff at church. Stuff like Connect or Conversations on the Coast or Playgroup or Kids Church or Youth or the new Christianity Explored course that we're planning on doing when we can. Of course, uh, these aren't possible at this stage, uh, but with Kids Church and preschool stuff and youth online, we could be inviting people to enjoy that content and maybe even to join in at youth. Uh, another really easy way that James has already mentioned, that we've mentioned a couple of times over the last few weeks, is to share this service uh, each and every week on your social media. You might have heard us uh, mention it, and you just haven't got around to it, or figuring out how to do it. But in these times where we just can't reach out in the ways that we normally have, this is such an easy way uh, to keep Christ's mission our mission. Who knows? Who of your friends or your contacts might be in just the right spot to hear something about Jesus and then they hear it online in our service as you've shared it? So share this service each week, even now. It's an easy way to keep Christ's mission our mission. And finally, another way uh, is to give gospel workers and missionaries our money. Those who financially supported the Apostle Paul in his gospel outreach, he saw them as partners with him in gospel ministry and that their gifts to him were pleasing sacrifices and offerings to God himself. Uh, it's wonderful to think that we too can be partners with gifted evangelists or those reaching out to people we'd have no hope of reaching ourselves and please God at the same time just by giving them money. Like those that we give money to here as a church. James Thomas with Gospel Recordings Network, Rick and Tracy Rempel with Mission Aviation Fellowship in Canada, Granville and Aboya Pillar with Global Scholars in Hungary, Langham Partnership, 
uh, Rob and Al Falls with Tulua Theological Training Center in Vanuatu, our own Liz Moore with the African Inland Mission, and Egal Vender with uh, International Mission to Jewish People uh, in Israel in Tel Aviv. Uh, recently, Egal was part of baptizing a couple of Jewish guys in the Jordan River that he's been discipling. It's encouraging to think that we're partnering with him in making those disciples because we financially support him. Which, is, of course, we can do for many others. Doing Christ's mission, Christ's way, is by being prepared to share the gospel as we live the gospel in good deeds and finally as we pray. Uh, last week we saw in uh, the famous prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, uh, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, that glorifying God in praise is to be our first priority with Christ being at the centre. But what do you think is next? What's the next thing? He goes on to encourage us to pray, Your kingdom come. What does that mean? Surely God's all reigning, already reigning, why, why would he need his kingdom to come? Come where? To which our mate Augustine, I think, helpfully notes uh, and comments on this. He says, In the same way, also as a light which is present is absent to the blind and to those who shut their eyes, so the kingdom of God, though it never departs from the earth, it is yet absent to those who are ignorant of it. To pray then, that God's kingdom come is to pray that people who are blind to God's reign in Christ or who've got their eyes shut to it might open their eyes, that they might see that the Lord Jesus is Lord, which can only happen either upon his return or as they believe in him and live for him now. Is not then to pray your kingdom come, as Jesus teaches us, to pray that people submit to Christ as Lord ourselves and those we love and all those we know who currently aren't. So out of love for Christ, we'll pray, your kingdom come, God. On those we know who are currently blind to the light of the gospel, that they might see Jesus and believe and be saved. For years and years, our very own Don Telfer, before he went to be with the Lord last year, He'd often make his way up to my office and uh, he'd delight in detailing the, the opportunities that he'd had to talk about Jesus to people. But he'd frequently end with a desire to pray for them because he knew it was only a work of God that would bring them to faith in Christ, that the light of God's reign would shine in their hearts. His love for them and others was such that it would drive him to pray with me for them as his Lord wanted, as his Lord taught we do well to have such a friend to pray as our Lord teaches us, your kingdom come. Maybe you can be that friend or that prayer partner today to be the one who constantly soaks in prayer all our efforts in making disciples of Jesus. That God's kingdom would come in the lives and hearts of many in Christ. Because Christ's mission is our mission by the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's happily strive to do Christ's mission his way in word, deed 
and prayer. And I'm going to pray to that end now. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for the almighty glory and goodness of the gospel that you have placed in us, us jars of clay. Please help us to be compelled by Christ's love, by his command, by the good of the gospel for many, many, for all people, and that it brings glory to you as people submit to Jesus, hear of him and know him and love him and submit to him. Please, in our words, help us to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have. Help us to take advantage of opportunities to talk to those about uh, around about us about Jesus. Help us to live such good lives that we prepare the way for people to ask after the hope that we have. And help us in all of this from beginning to end, to be praying, praying that people would submit their lives to Christ, that they might not only hear the gospel from us or from whoever else, but by your spirit come to acknowledge him as their Lord and Saviour. Help us as we seek to make Christ's mission our mission to be speaking, living and praying for your kingdom to come in the lives and hearts of those around about us for Christ's sake and in his name. Amen.